0: Everybody, this is Bill Knauer, and you're listening to Author to Author, where we talk about writing and life, because what it takes to write the book you want to write is also what it takes to lead the life you want to lead. It's true. It's true. It is. Uh, Author to Author is brought to you by Author Magazine, the premier free writing magazine on the internet, featuring all kinds of good articles on writing, the craft of writing, the business of writing, but also just the writing life. We've got great articles by Jennifer Paris, always good stuff uh just dealing with what it is to be a person who has to make stuff and all that. and of course i have a column i do three times a week there my editor's blog we call it where I write about the intersection of creativity and everyday life so we got that stuff but we also got video interviews with best-selling and award-winning authors across the genres Got coming up i'm going to post it this weekend my interview with kira jane buxton a uh debut author her book has taken off interesting woman Another woman who had been an actress or tried to be an actress and then moved over to writing, had a lot of rejection as an actress, and it fed. It actually served her well when she turned to writing. She's written uh, Hollow Kingdom was her book, narrated by a crow of all things, and it's doing great, and she's just delightful. Anyway, that's going to be up this weekend, so you can check it all out at authormagazine.org, and we're funded by... Of course, the people at the Pacific Northwest Writers Association, who've been supporting writers from Penn to publication since 1955. If you want to do their contest, they got a writing conference contest every year. For the conference, you can order, you can enter that now. Uh, that's enterable. You can also enter the if you have a published book. That's the unpublished writing contest. If you have a published novel or piece of nonfiction, uh, we have the uh, Nancy Pearl Award. Yes, every year the prestigious Nancy Pearl Award give out to three published books. Uh, that's all there. Plus we have, uh, classes and of course the conference itself, which people are already signing up for. And I recommend you do too. If you are going to be in the Northwest or maybe you want to travel for a conference, check it out at pnwa.org. It's great, great organization. Uh, yes. So first I want to say thank you to the wonderful people at, uh, in Chicago at the, uh, self employment in the arts conference. Met some great young people and some not-so-young people there talking all about fearless writing and just how to make a living in the arts, that interesting combination. was a great experience. Thank you all, you people in Chicago. And uh, for those of you, speaking of fearless writing, I mentioned it before, this Saturday uh, I will be teaching fearless writing online workshop, live, face-to-face, using video technology. If you want to work with me on fearless writing, but you don't live in the Northwest, or you do, but you just can't get out of the house these days, Doesn't matter. Uh, You can sign up for Fearless Writing this Saturday. And then next Saturday, I'm teaching Fearless Marketing. Yes. Again, live uh, video conference. It's going to be a great class. Uh, You can sign up for it. There's still a few slots left at williamcanaro.com, my website. Yes, williamcanaro.com. Well, we got a very interesting guest today. It's a lecturer, newscaster, and filmmaker, Louise L. Schiavone. She's uh, Louisa, member uh, of the full time faculty and senior lecturer at Johns Hopkins University Cary Business School. She teaches business leadership and human values, good thing to teach, I think, and business communication to graduate level students at the Baltimore and Washington, D.C. campuses. A career journalist and TEDx speaker, Schiavone has covered Congress, the White House, as well as News at the Pentagon, Treasury, State, Transportation, Energy, and Housing departments, as well as national presidential campaigns, the mortgage meltdown and financial crises, food safety challenges, and natural disasters. She's also an on air veteran of CNN. ABC News and the Associated Press, and is currently a newscaster anchor at NPR and serious XM POTUS host, both on contributing basis. Her award winning 2020 short documentary, Crisis on the Half Shell, the Chesapeake Bay, is being shown at film festivals this spring. And she also writes for print media. That's right, she's a writer too, with work appearing most recently in the Los Angeles Review of Books as well as in National Geographic. She speaks extensively about the environment, politics, journalism, communication and civility she's currently producing a video documentary about marine life biodiversity in the scottish highlands and the role of oyster the oyster in raising the quality of the marine environment around the world oh louise welcome to the show thanks bill god feel like i need to take a nap just after reading that
1: my god you know what when You're... people when people do these introductions of me i'm like what listening do you think of them i think this person sounds like a <laughs> lunatic
0: <laughs>
1: what the, why can't she just take a nap <laughs> no
0: No, she's got too much to do all right so here's my question uh i was thinking i was, I was thinking about you and this very diverse uh bio you've got, did it start with, was journalism your entree into your professional life? Was that the first sort of love, or did it start somewhere else?
1: I think um, as a child, I always uh, wanted to write, and really? I was in an environment where the news was a very big deal. Both of my parents were first-generation Italian-Americans, but um, uh-huh. from that World War II generation where right. The news was considered extremely valuable to survival. Um, why is that? And we were, and we were, uh, we were sorry, by why was it? Why was
0: it? Why was it? Why was news to them essential to survival?
1: <laughs> how, did, how did that? You know, you'd want to know how the war was going, right? I mean, oh, right, um, right, 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 <laughs> right. My, I mean, right. my parents met each other as my father was shipping off to the war. Wow. And um, you know, and being Italian Americans, um, you know, first first generation did children yeah. of immigrants. Uh they wanted to know what the world was like. It very much plugged them into what everybody else was doing, what the style of the culture was, what people were talking about. They were both in the fashion business. Wow. And uh, so we were in, in we were surrounded by the New York Times, all kinds of magazines, all kinds of fashion right. magazines. Um, my father put a very high premium on um, on education and loved uh-huh. talking. I had three brothers. Um, I still have three brothers. Um, <laughs> and uh, and always um, enjoyed chatting me up. I, he always found me to be extremely entertaining, and right. um, and so just that sort of life of the mind was very interesting and intriguing and of great value to me, and I enjoyed. The notion of being a writer and a speaker and you know, to a certain degree a performer, I took twelve years of classical piano. Ooh. Um oh, all so right. uh, so, and in fact I had prepared all my fugues for Juilliard
0: wow. and
1: uh my fa- my father said to me, So how do you think you're going to make a living doing that? Uh, oh, you maybe you should think yeah. about doing something else. Well, but somebody you know, makes a living it, playing piano. <laughs> Well, some some people Somebody do. Does. It's sort yeah. of like people who are rich in the world of of news, right? There are like five right. people in the country who are rich because they are news people. Right. And everybody right. else is getting along. Sure. But people do it out of the passion, right? Yeah,
0: absolutely. You know, it's funny. I was thinking about your description that you said your father sounded like he was a charming guy, an interesting guy, um uh, just from your description of him, but you said he found you entertaining. And I there is something about being listened to, being seen, seeing somebody you have some admiration for, responding to you, laughing—it just, I just feel like it brings out such a good part of a person when you're.
1: I think that's a really great observation no, because yeah. what, what we we sort of gravitate toward doing what we what sort of bounces back to us, right? Yeah, um, yeah. And and for me, that always was you know the speaking the writing.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, you know, and, um, well, you know, Italians, they love to talk anyway.
0: Yeah, sure. Sure. Uh, you, and so you say, okay, I'm not going to be a classical pianist. I'm going to do something else, but you had always been interested in stories and talking. And so you said, so did, and was, so was journalism like did that. Were you doing it in college? Did you do it out of college? Right out of college? When did that come along?
1: Well, I always did a lot of writing. I was um, editor-in-chief of my high school newspaper, and um, then I was okay. on the college newspaper for a very brief period of time. But, you know, during that period, uh, the Vietnam War was raging, and I was more of a student right. radical than a journalist. And, oh, uh, were you? Were you? Yeah. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, but what was interesting is the school, I went to an all-women's Catholic school in Boston, uh, From for oh, undergrad. Yeah. I went to Columbia University for graduate school. But um, but th- they were so sweet. They kept on inviting me back. I was on the board of trustees for a number of years after, you know, after I was on CNN, I was sort of famous, you know. And so they loved uh-huh. being able to brag about me. But at the time, <laughs> uh, <laughs> they weren't sure they wanted to know me. Right. It's all good.
0: And so were you interested in broadcast journalism first or were you, did you go into the print first?
1: no I, I i just wanted to be a writer and oh, oh
0: okay. so
1: it and I graduated from college during a recession, and uh right. my boyfriend at the time, <laughs> who I later married, uh, okay. got me a job at this uh small radio station outside of Boston, and okay. the job I got was writing commercials, and okay. it was like the only job I could get and right. then it was very classic community style radio station where they actually did birth announcements and death announcements if you can wow wow and so (laughs) so, but you know when they did news so the woman who did the birth announcements um was sick one day i always thought you know being a college radical i thought doing birth announcements was the most bourgeois thing i ever heard of horrible and right. then she was she was out sick one day, and I said, "Would you do the birth announcements?" And I thought, "Oh God, kill me now right right so right. um, so I did, and the news director said, "Oh, you have a really good voice. will you do news?" I said, "Yeah, that's what I want to do and oh, so that's how okay. I got into news,
0: wow, and so and, you, you know, already during had that period
1: of time it was you know doing news as a woman that it was a pretty rarefied thing, and it was an uphill oh, climb, man. and it was a battle, yeah. and there was no pay equity, and uh, wow. every time you went on a on an interview, you'd be asked, uh, do you have a boyfriend? Are you engaged? Do you want to get married? Really? Do you want to have a family? Really? Oh, yeah. Really? Uh, yeah, I mean, I knew people in my field, people who I was fortunate to know who were much older than me, and uh, women who... Did not get married until it was way beyond their ability to have children, right. uh, or some of them never did get married just because they wanted to have the ability to do this profession. It, it was, right. it was not an easy thing.
0: Wow! So you really, you know, the the good side of that is that you have to really want to do it. Like, you, if you don't really want to do it, why put up with all the crap, right? So it, yeah, really, it's, it's almost no, like it's, a, go, test it's to, a
1: mission. It's totally yeah. a mission.
0: Yeah, yeah you got to. Wow. And so listening to you, I just keep flashing back on Mary Teller Moore, watching Mary Tyler Moore with my mother in the 70s. <laughs> <laughs> Her struggle. Um,
1: well, you know, um, do, do you want to know how I, uh, how I got my break in Washington? Uh-huh. Uh, first of all, I, I went to Atlanta, uh, Georgia, after I graduated from, from uh, the uh, Graduate Journalism School at Columbia University in New York. And right. uh, that was a great experience. Sure. I actually got to know a lot of civil rights leaders. One of the people I met was Martin Luther King Sr. Really? And yeah, and um, Holy I covered a lot of I, I covered a lot of civil rights themed news conferences. And what was interesting about those was at the end of these news conferences, which are very often sponsored by the Southern Christian Leadership Conference, all really fabulous, inspiring people. Right. Everybody would get up and cross hands and sing We Shall Overcome including the local journalists. Wow. And I would think, we. Well, you know, I mean I can't do that. Right. So yeah. I would so when they stood I would stand with them but I you know, I wouldn't sing or anything, but I didn't want to make a big scene. So I started sitting in the back row. Okay. And one day <laughs> Martin Luther King Senior sat next to me. Uh-huh. The, so it's me and and Martin Luther King Senior in the back row. <laughs> okay and we stood up at the end and uh he said i notice you don't sing don't you uh-huh. know the words to, to we shall overcome i said yeah i do and i i don't mean any disrespect but i am a journalist and i i i can't sing along with you right. he grabs my head and he goes i'm sorry you are going to have to sing this song what? really <laughs> <laughs> oh, did you no so, i mean i got to i got to know yeah well of course you know what are you gonna do <laughs> so so i did get to know him and i thought he was a, a really lovely wonderful charming guy you could see where he would have such a fabulous son right. so experiences like that were awesome and then i covered a hurricane <clears throat> and because um I was sort of discovered. Her. I covered a hurricane before everybody else was covering hurricanes.
0: Did were you doing and, it? With, were you the, were you wearing like the coat and the wind was blowing and you the, the got like a? Was it? A, were you on camera or just? Are uh, were you? No, uh,
1: no, no. I was I was doing radio at the time.
0: Okay, all right. And
1: uh, and I I went out with a TV crew, but I just sort of hitched a ride with a TV crew in Savannah. Okay. And anyway, I fed a lot of uh, material to. Um, to the TV to radio networks, and so I was hired by the Associated Press radio network on the back uh-huh. of that. And uh, then one day, uh, so I did a lot of stuff that people do when they first enter a, 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 the news business, a, a, a new news organization. I did overnight newscasts and all this stuff.
0: Wow! Oh, wow! Okay. Um, so
1: I was still, you know, pretty young. And um, one day, I was out to lunch. With a friend of mine from Columbia. we were both living in Washington, and uh, this was, you know, pre-internet. And a flash right. came on the TV that Reagan had been shot.
0: Oh wow! And we were, okay. It was
1: driving rain outside, and we were just sitting down to have a burger and. My friend said to me, Louise, you've got to call your desk and tell them you're just a couple of blocks from GW where they took the president. Right. You've got to call them. I said, no, I've been up all night. I've been working. If I right. go there, I'll never get to bed. And she <laughs> said to me, are you crazy? This could really <laughs> make your career. So we went back and forth, and I finally called them. And they said, yeah, yeah, could you? Because all of Washington was shut down because uh, right. of this attempted assassination, and nobody could do get across town and there I was just a few blocks wow. away was, from where Reagan it was it
0: was meant to be Louise
1: so I went down there and um, and then in the middle of that covering that uh, my desk said to me well you know uh, CBS and ABC News are reporting that James Brady the president's press secretary was shot in the head James Brady has died I, they <gasps> said can you do a spot on that I said no he's not dead and they said well everybody's reporting it. and I said well good for them I'm not – get somebody else to do that. I'm not doing it. And because I didn't, and, you know, we were one of the few news organizations that did not report that, they made me the Senate correspondent.
0: Wow. Wow. it's so cool. Now, so I was – you know, uh, I I kind of thought that this might be sort of how your story went, which is, you know, you're a young person. You're just trying to find your way in this business, you know, and you kind of – you're ambitious and you're smart, but you take what they'll give you kind of and you work your way up. But at some point in your life, you had to develop a focus, which is, you know, I always think of like with writers, their first job is to learn how to write. And then they pretty soon have to learn what they actually want to write. You know, it's not enough just to be able to write. You've got to if you're especially if you're like a fiction writer or something. So at some point you developed a focus for what you were interested in specifically more than just being able to do this work. When did that begin to turn for you? When you began to find like a deliberate focus for your creative and professional
1: efforts. Well, I always enjoyed the uh, hustle bustle and the excitement and right. uh, the unpredictability of politics, political writing. Right. Um, I think financial writing is so fun because, you know, journalists, journalists, would be scientists if they could only figure out how to do math. So <laughs> what? Real? Oh, wait, I've never heard that before. Why is that? It's my observation. Okay. But, so I like I like doing financial news because so few people are in that space, uh, right. and you know every every financial story has a human story, and I love the human stories behind right. the stories that seem complex. And then lately, um, I would say that for the past uh, five years, I've really loved the environment story, and that actually took shape when I uh, went on a (laughs) – now see, now you're going to be jealous about this – on a tour of Scotch whiskey distilleries.
0: Oh well, once upon a time, I sure would have been. That's for sure. Wow, wow. So you were up there where all the peat and the moss are. And uh... well,
1: it's not just all peat. There's a, yeah, there's a lot of peat and moss. But anyway, uh, so so I guess five or six years ago, I uh, one of the one of the distilleries we stopped in at was the Glenmorangie Distillery yeah. in the Scottish Highlands, and they were just about to launch the recreation of an oyster reef to sort of correct years of damage to the Dornock Firth, which was the body of water off of the shores of the distillery, which is an estuary of the North Sea. And nobody else was writing about that. And so I thought, well, that actually sort of sounds interesting. So I, so the first thing I, so I wrote a couple of things about it um, a few years ago and I and my school gave me money to create video about the whole challenge of an environmental restoration and the role of the oyster which is huge in the Chesapeake Bay and here we are in Baltimore Who Here I am Who in knew? Baltimore Maryland so anyway it's been an evolving thing and I continue to uh maintain contact with these people in Scotland which is so fun because they're so lovely yeah. and um and the Chesapeake Bay and what I find, people who are engaged in the environment are such vibrant, lovely human people who are all right. pulling to create this outcome that leaves something for generations to come.
0: Right, right. It really. And is, I love the
1: inspiration is, of that.
0: There's a sort of a selflessness to it, isn't there?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, Did, you know, businesses, you know, they get involved in it because it's good PR for them. Right. Um, but uh but you still have to do it. You still have to spend the money. You still have to be yeah. all in. Yeah. So I so I think so I think it's fascinating and important, very important.
0: Do you remember the story, the first sort of business oriented story that you, that 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 kind of lit up for you and made you think this is pretty interesting? Excuse
1: me. Hmm. No, I don't. <laughs> sure oh no, that. I don't. <laughs> Did you cover it? because there was a there was a
0: what was it Black Monday or Black? T- was there was a huge crash in like eighty six or seven or something? Wasn't was when was the there wasn't there a big day where that just the the, the 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 Dow took a plunge? What when was it? it was in the eighty the late eighties? Do you remember? Maybe you don't
1: you know in the 80s you know the big the, the the big the big the really big crisis was um the re- i was still doing political news in, in in the 80s and into the 90s i didn't start doing uh business news until i i got to CNN and i was working for their financial news network uh-huh. Uh, among other things and um i did a lot about the uh the, the mortgage meltdown and that was really fascinating especially in yeah. the run-up to it i was writing for uh, um, a publication called mortgage banking magazine which sounds so wow. dry but i got to do some really fun great things that the the editor said well i love the way you paint a picture do this can you do this piece can you do that piece and that right. was fascinating that was fascinating um and in fact, I'm uh, actually working on a book now about housing. Um, so, so that was actually my first big thing was writing about housing and the mortgage meltdown and
0: you know oh, okay. so
1: many scandals, so much irresponsibility, uh, so many high hopes, so many hopes crushed, uh, right? So much discrimination, uh, so much yeah. dishonesty. And it's, you know, the story, the story keeps going.
0: Yeah, I know. I, I kind of get the feeling, and I'm not up on this stuff, but I kind of get the feeling we're headed for another one of those, maybe, of some kind. People I just keep saying like this,
1: that. I, I hope know, that's and keeps going up.
0: What's that? You hope it's not the case? Yeah, I hope so, too. But I just feel like there's a, there's something that maybe our current boom is maybe not, not sitting on firm ground, and uh, not that I'm in any way up on this, but. I well, people just say this. people
1: say this all the time. I mean, ever since Trump was elected, people have been saying, "Well, you know, we're going to have a crash right after he gets right, uh, right. elected, you know, right. we're I mean, going to go down happened. and yeah. it has not happened." So the thing, you know what I think is interesting is that for all of the geopolitical uncertainty and the wars and the anger and the fighting and the violence and people dying, it seems that the one thing that has people respecting boundaries is the coronavirus. Yes, you know, my wife, say, yes, yes. I'm, so what does that tell you? I'm, I'm still thinking about that because I just thought about yeah. that this morning. I mean, What does that tell you? It's like, you know, nature in the end yeah. will have the upper hand.
0: Yeah, well, I also think that there's something about one of the nice, that's sort of nice, I I use that word, you know, philosophically. One of the benefits is that it's kind of forcing us, you know, in this era of, nationalism has kind of been on the rise you know that it's it's kind of showing that we are connected whether we like it or not you know we are the, that you can't the boundaries are illusory because this can cross it and that we're all sort of in this together that's one of my takeaways so far
1: yeah but you know i think that people who are from the original country you know, where this where this emerged, yeah, yeah. China, I mean, I think they're yeah. really taking it on the chin. I, I think oh. they're meeting with a lot of, I think they're meeting with a lot of discrimination.
0: Oh, the, the, oh and that's not the, a good thing, I think. Oh, I yeah. see. Right, because everyone's, I mean, t- well, like fear read will that, do that. You know, right?
1: even within Asia, they are. Wow. Uh, so, I hadn't thought of
0: that side, yeah.
1: So... Like, so it's it's a really it's a really rough situation. But another country that's that's a huge um, re, really target in in this coronavirus is Iran, which is a yeah. which is an international crossroads.
0: Yeah. Like for the first yeah.
1: time, Iraq and Iran are saying, you know, like, do not cross our borders, and everybody oh. is like, okay, no, no problem.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, interesting. Oh. Yeah. Who could have predicted? Well, all right, and so. Um, Okay, so now you're you you're um, so what like what's going on now with Louise? Like, what has got her? What is really interesting to her right now? Because you got so many things you could focus on. What is it that's got you right now?
1: Well, you know, I have a lot of ideas about things that I want to create, Bill. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I'm, I thought that actually this year I was going to to do some things in Europe um especially Paris and London um but I'm you know this whole travel situation with the coronavirus yeah, I don't know yeah, yeah. you know how that's yeah. going to um affect it but I am interested in the way people live I am interested in the way people make communities I'm interested okay. in the philosophical silos that people place themselves in and where is it all leading us how right. do we how do we create how do we how do we return to civility which is something that which is the right. core of my of my TED talk how do we return right. to civility it's it's such a challenge and so worrying i think so these are the things that are on my mind right now
0: civility. that's interesting when did civility when did that first light up for you as something you got interested in
1: well you know i think that um the, t- the tone of the tone of conversation as it emerged on social media you know, even before Twitter was a big thing right um the the i'm I'm sure you read these kinds of things like in comments on uh newspaper articles or youtube you know right. comments on things on YouTube, the ugliness just yes. so shocking, and it's you pretty might bad. at first see like. Oh, well, you know, there's some ugly comments, and isn't that horrible? But most people are pretty average. And now most people are pretty, you know, a, not very nice, I think. A lot of people true. are not very nice. Na- I would say – I like to believe that most people actually are nice. But what you see is the commentary by people who are so angry. People are so filled with rage. Yeah. Um,
0: and And the anonymity of it. It's one thing to write something – to someone, you, to, to, if, if a lot of the people, I believe, although I can't say this for sure, they would have a hard time speaking the words they wrote on Twitter if the person was face to face with them. Because it's, it's harder when you're met with the person's humanity, which is easier to feel, obviously, if they're in front of you, whether they're just a name and a picture on Twitter. I think it's way easier to say that kind of crap than it is to actually be face to face with a person, I think. And I think, That's unfortunately, the anonymity true. of the That's internet. That's very true just allows it. And it's just, it just doesn't, you know, what seems good in your head does not sound so good in, in reality. So I do think that's part of it. Um, well, you know what, Louise, I hope you are successful in, in, in your own way of turning the conversation more civil. I'm all for civility. I'm a very civil guy myself. So I yes, hope, I can I hope tell you, that. Oh, good. Oh, good. <laughs> I always have been. Um Well, all right. See, I knew this was going to be a fun conversation, although I'm not done with you yet. I'm not quite done with you, Louise. Uh, what I would like so for Oh, if people want to see your, your documentary crisis on the half shell, like where will they, like where, where are some of the places they'll be able to see it in the spring?
1: Well, you know, it's coming to a website near you. Uh, is all okay. I, say. I, I probably, okay. you know, I have a, I have a, uh, i don 't know where i 'm going to post that, but for instance i 've um, yeah you know, i 've got stuff that 's around um, uh, my favorite thing that i 've created is the piece that I just wrote. The time has come to talk about oysters, which is on the Los Angeles Review of Books. I okay. love that piece; it took me a lot of work to write it and a lot of psychic energy, a huge amount of passion to write it and is for me, it's the best thing that I've, I've written so far. Uh, wow. So that's on the Los Angeles Review of Books.
0: Okay. All right. Well, so my last question to you is this then, Louise. Finish this sentence. If writing has taught you anything, it's taught you what?
1: It has taught me the fundamental rules of humanity, human behavior. Wow.
0: That's awesome. That is awesome. Louise – you're such a cool person. I'm so glad you came on this show. It was great talking to you.
1: Thanks for, thanks for inviting me. I really enjoyed this, Bill. Thanks very much. Oh, you,
0: you're welcome. Well, yes, people, the fundamental rules is true. You know, writing, uh, I think she's right. Writing has taught me about what it means to be human. least taught me that. Yes, it has. Uh, I'll be back next week with Andrea Pollard. I think that's how I pronounce her last name. I'm sorry if it's different, Andrea But she's going to be back. We're going to be talking about psychology, happiness, well being, and just, you know, being a person. Uh, I want to thank my producer, RJ Jeffries. Thank you, RJ. You're awesome as always. And to all of you out there, go find something you love to do and do it.